Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah and I'm here with Monique Casey and she talks workplace conflict. And I know so many of you have are starting to build boundaries in your relationships and then it changes how you approach your workplace. And she is here to help us navigate this conversation. Hello, how are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be with you, Sarah. I've been following you, as I said, on your podcast and you are just such an inspiration to the rest of us doing this work. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm so excited to join forces today. So we talked about how often you and me and people like us who are recovering doormats. That's right. Right. Are trying to figure out how to navigate the world differently. And sometimes the way we do that is like, okay, I'm going to be fierce. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to have boundaries. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to head into conflict and it ends up blowing up in people's faces. Right. First of all, if we're trying to out bully a bully, we'll never be as awful as they are. Mm -hmm. And they'll always have another tool or or another, you know, magic thing up their sleeve to make you feel like crap. So, (laughs) so, so we can't compete with them. If we are caring people, if we are empathetic people, and we want to have, we want to be in relationship, in a healthy relationship, workplace, at home, whatever, and we try to meet them head on, we just aren't equipped for that because we're not aligned to that. We don't vibrate that way. So we just can't do it easily. So I remember when I first started looking at my, uh, my own life and, and, uh, I I did what what I call the pendulum effect, which is where you're so far on one side, you kind of go all the way to the other side. And so I found myself saying, okay, I, I learned a new word I hadn't ever really used. And that word was no. So I started saying no to everything, even things I thought I might want to do, because I wanted to get, I wanted people to know that I have boundaries. And that blew up in my face because I ended up uh, uh, not really blew up in my face because what I ended up doing actually is a lot of people who shouldn't have been there decided to leave. So that was good. Now, the ones that I really needed to stay did stay, but it taught me that there's a, a happy medium and those people helped me find that when they stuck around. And I want to make sure everyone is hearing what you're saying, because what I hear sometimes is people, it's very unfortunate. People say, look, I have boundaries now. I'm telling people no. And then the expectation is that they're going to change. And I'm like, no, I'm so no. sorry. When you're around really selfish people who were using you and all of a sudden they can't use you anymore, they're not going to say, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for you and your personal growth <laughs> that I can't use you anymore. You know, it's not happening. And yeah. so what you said is you developed that piece of you. You probably had swung too far to the other way. Oh, for as... sure I did. For sure I did. It was, <laughs> I, I became power hungry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little bit. Which... Like, and I'm saying, I'm saying that like, I'm exaggerating it, but it's just, it was sure. so outside of who I was that, you know, like I, I remember uh, when I first started working and I'm quite a bit older than you, I'm 60. And I remember when I was first working, I said, listen, you're uh, by a woman. She said, 
as a woman, you cannot speak to other people like a man. A man can be, you know, like in your face and say, I disagree with you. And she said, but you're a woman. So if you put someone on hold, you may start World War III. So I had a whole, you know, like, and, and I'm happy to see my, my own children today are in a different world as women. Um, but it, it really did impact how I saw the world. And it was also the message I got from my parents. And anyone who's saying, Where, why am I like this? Look at your parents, just look at them, because there is a family dynamic that is at play here and that we learn how to assert ourselves. We learn how to set boundaries at our mother's knee. And we really, if especially as women, and if we had a mother who was very compliant, very submissive, we're going to see that. And I just want to say that it takes two to three, I think it's, it was two to three generations minimum to break that kind of a family pattern. And the reason is, is like our parents are still in our children's lives. And so we might teach them something different, but our mother will still teach them that old way. And so we do have to be very conscious. So I actually told my daughter, listen, uh, your grandparents messed up with me. I'm going to mess up with you. I do my very best to do less of a mess up. And I pray that you do better than I did when my grandbabies show up. So it's about being authentic with ourselves and saying we can make a change. This was not like a, a white flag. I give up. This was, I can do this. I can make this difference in my own life. And that means I have to also make it in my daughter's life. And if for no other reason, and, and this is one thing that I'll say when I'm teaching a boundaries course is if you don't want to do this for yourself, do it for your kids. Do it for your retirement plan. Do it for your mental wellness. Don't, but do it for your kids. They need you to be able to be functional and they need you. So do it for your children because I usually have moms in my my rooms. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to say too, is I was like, you know what, of all the people that I've coached, I've never had someone come up and say, I had this mother and she was so fully functioning. She was really emotionally healthy. She had great boundaries. She was confident in who she was and what she wanted, but she was still kind. And she showed up for others and showed up for herself and made me feel like, and I'm just, it really messed me up. You know, she was just so emotionally healthy. It just really messed me up. No yeah. one ever says that, yeah. but as women, well, I'm worried about my kids. Okay. Fix yourself, but I'm worried about my kids. Okay. Yeah. Fix yourself. Okay. I'm worried about my kids. Focus on yourself. Not in a selfish way. We're talking the, the deep work of emotional health. We're not talking about, you know, I do have my nails done, but we're not talking about being at the spa every day. Right. Right. That and is, and it, 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 it's, it's so big when we start thinking about, uh, we, what we learned and what we're bringing into our lives now. And it's hard to break it away. And I remember when I went, I was one of the first groups I went to uh, was in, uh, was an ACA group. It's adult children's uh, of alcoholics or adult children's anonymous. There was a woman there in her seventies who had discovered her alcoholism when she was 55. She had managed to destroy all her relationships and she would sit there in the corner. She just looked like your favorite grandma. And she would be knitting throughout the whole, hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the 12 step meeting. And she said, it's never too late. And even if, the, if I had just made, she said, first, I saved one relationship. 
Then I saved another. Then I made a change over here. And people look at this like it's an overwhelming thing. And when I look back, and we're talking like, I'm looking back 40 years now. And when I look back at that time and those messages that this woman gave me, I if, if she had told me how hard it would be to do all this work, I would have been overwhelmed and not done any of it. But she said, just do one thing. One thing that will make you feel in control, one thing that will make you feel authentic, one thing that is truly what you want, what you need, and suddenly you'll be attracting those into your life. And that was the message she gave me. And Mm -hmm. from that, I mean, if I look back, this is not a journey that was easy for me. I had a few extra challenges in my life to deal with. And uh, yeah, we just have to do that one thing and, and practice it. It becomes like a muscle. I keep telling my clients, it's a muscle. We have to practice boundaries. It's not something we just have. If we didn't have it before, we have to practice it. We have to develop, develop the muscle. And just like going to the gym, if you stop going, it'll stop working. So just keep abreast of it. Just keep on top of it. And, uh, and, and some people need an accountability coach to say, you know, I'm going to call you when I get stuck. And that's great. But we all have the capability of doing this at some point with, and, and I don't believe in one person fixing anyone. Like we all need a therapist and a coach for this. And, a, you know, we all, there's, it, it's a big, big picture. And we, we just try to simplify things too much and make things easier on ourselves, which is why we say yes when we shouldn't, which is why, you know, like when, when we look at the bigger picture of the impact, the consequences of saying yes this time, and we take the time to do that, we say no much easier. Well, and I told you before we hit record, there is no one in my life who would consider me a people pleaser on the surface at this point, which is very good considering the work I do, right? I've I've come a long way, baby, you know? So at this point, that is not a way people would describe me who see me in my day in, day out life. But Friday, I was working on this podcast and this sort of thing with this lady who was a nutrition coach. And she said, you know, what are some hold back things that you tell yourself when you're about to eat something that you, you know, you shouldn't or not shouldn't, but you know, you don't really want to eat or it's not in your best interest. And what are are some stories you tell yourself around that? And I went, oh my gosh, that is my people pleasing. Yeah. I thought I had broken up with that people pleasing, but I go to social events. Well, everybody's having dessert, so I don't want to make them feel bad that I'm not having dessert. Well, they made something for me and, you know, I don't want to feel bad or my husband wants that for dinner. So I'll just eat what he wants. And I did it this way. Last week I had a burger and fries two weeks ago. And if I'm, you know, eating something indulgent, burger and fries is not what I would have chosen. I I went because my husband wanted to. And, you know, there's compromises you make. But the point being, don't feel bad that you're in this journey. I I am quite far along. I know you are quite far along. And if you are wise and you're still introspective and you're still growing, things are going to pop up. Just like I was like, dang it, eating is my people pleasing at this point. And how often have we seen that in alcoholism or in alcohol where you go out with friends and I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't drink uh, often. And uh, my mother was in the hospital and my husband's aunt died and we went to the funeral that night. And I was like in the middle of, uh, we were in the middle of a crisis. My mother ended up dying two days later, but I'm, I'm at the, I'm at the reception and everybody's having wine. It's all adults. 
And uh, my husband's aunt is just across from us. And she says, you're, you're not drinking. I was having an iced tea or something. And I said, well, when I'm under a lot of stress, I don't drink. She says, oh, that's so wise. I said, you may never see me drink. <laughs> the reality is, is my life was in a constant turmoil at the time with my mom being so sick. But I made that decision. And, and more than once, people were saying, oh, come on, have a bit of fun, loosen up. And I said, wow, you need a, you need something to loosen up? That's interesting. And I just leave it at that and just say, well, I don't. And I just move mm -hmm. on. But mm -hmm. it took me a long time to get there. I mean, I don't think mm -hmm. I could have done it in my 30s so easily. But now it's like, leave me alone. <laughs> that's, that's one of the advantages of gray hair. You get to say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up, uh, my family did not drink at all. And I'm always fascinated with the conversation around drinking because it was just such like a, like that wasn't a part of my life to watch people pressure my parents or, I mean, it just wasn't. And then now that I'm a grown up, that whole concept of like, oh, you need to drink so I can be okay with drinking has been fascinating to watch. It yeah. is just, I think, why in the world? Do you need to, like do you need to worry about what someone else is drinking so that you can drink? But but in my world, they did the same thing with sugar. Exactly. You know, so Dessert. yeah. Oh, you're not having pie? Well, then I feel bad about having pie, especially if you're thinner than I am or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, so it is the same. Uh, but point being, if we have to make a decision. We have yes. to make a decision and we have to stick by it. And, and, uh, and it's easy. It's, it's, it's okay to say today, I will, I, you know, I'm going to forego my decision or, but we're allowed to have cheat days, but it should be because we want them yeah. and not because someone else feels bad because they're not, they're having their cheat day today. We're all, <laughs> we're all individuals. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to be attached to the hips and do the same thing and still be friends. And so that's the thing. And we can have a difference of opinion. We can have, we can have different uh, uh, religious affiliations, different political affiliations and still get along. We really can. And so how do you incorporate that in your workplace work? Because that's a perfect segue into a workplace scenario where people have conflict at work and uh, have to still manage to get along despite differences. So, you know, and it's challenging, right? My background is as a is as a mental health counselor and I love mental health. I still advocate in mental health and stuff. But uh, people, the first thing they say is this person's driving me crazy. And we all know what that means, right? And it's not, it's not like the that person is crazy. No, no, no. I'm saying that person, their behavior is driving me a little bit nuts though here. And so what I like to do is I like to demystify that we all have different personalities. And when everybody starts speaking the same language and they can define these different personalities, it kind of puts everyone on an even playing field if everyone's on board with it. And, uh, and when we understand that this person, like, let's say I'm a really outgoing, which I am, I'm an outgoing chatty person. If I have something to say, I'll just tell you. Now, if I'm working with someone who's super, super reserved and they're very task oriented, I could have a lot of conflict with that person simply because we're on total different ends of the personality spectrum. And so when we understand that this person, when I bring something to their attention, needs to be told in a way 
that is about, they're not people oriented, they're task oriented. We have to talk about the goals of the task. We can't talk about how much fun this will be because they don't understand that. They don't understand having fun with people. They say, I'm an accountant. I'm not here for fun. It has to balance. And so when you're dealing, when you're at different ends of the spectrum, I see this in families, uh, people marry their opposites. I did, uh, you know, and all this. So what I do is I I, I start there, but then we have to start understanding uh, what our motivation is. Like, what are our motivations? So we start with our motivations. We understand, oh, this person's on a different spectrum. So that's their motivation. Now we can speak to them in a way they need to hear. So with that reserved person that's task oriented, I'm going to keep my things very short. They're not chatty. I'm going to, I'm going to give them time to reflect on it. And I'm going to give them, uh, I'm, and I'm going to tell them why it's important to the task, not to me, because it's not that they don't like me. And it's not that they don't value me. It's that that's not their priority right now. So we have to talk to the, speak to their priority. Uh, now, if someone is really toxic, and I know you talk a lot about narcissistic, narcissistic personality, well, the, the triad, right? The personality disorders. These people, it's not the same. These mm-hmm. people, they, when, when we're talking about a toxic personality where they have no empathy, they're only in there for themselves. That's a totally different set of toolbox. And If we're in an organization where the organization either rewards that person because they're getting the outcomes the company wants or any of that, you may be in a toxic organization, which means maybe you need to leave. I mean, unless you want to become like that, which if it doesn't align with your values, with who you are, then there really has to, because you can't always shift it. When I go in and look at a culture I'm looking at what the boss wants, but I'm saying, well, that's what would feel comfortable for you. But if you are all like super task oriented, a type personalities, and no one is is like uh, supportive or or kind or any of that, how many clients will you keep? So mm-hmm. you need to be able to keep these kind people. You need to be able to make them feel rewarded in their language and their love right. language, if you will. And that's not always money. So in fact, it's usually not money <laughs> when it's those types of people. So it's really about feeling respected, feeling heard, feeling safe to speak our minds and all that. And so when I talk, when I'm talking to the leaders, that's the discussions I'm having. If the leader is what I call a rescuer, so a doormat, which I have a lot of those, where they're the manager and they have to manage people and they find themselves rescuing people, then I have to tell them, listen, you need to ramp this up. What is your outcome? And I need to bring them more to the other side and say, let's look at what's important here for your job. Maybe you can do that for your husband or your kid, or you can rescue them. You know, you can bring them lunch because they forgot it or whatever, but you can't do that for your employee. You can't be doing their job for them because you want to be nice. Happens a lot, happens more than we know. And it's the boss that ends up burning out, not the employee. So so I'm there to to let them know they're allowed to take their power back and, uh, it does require, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, we do a lot of role model discussions, like, okay, how would you tell that? You know, I'm Allison, tell me that, you know, and then they, and we, we, we practice it. It's a muscle, it's a muscle and we, it's a layered muscle. I always tell people before you go after that super horrible person, please practice on someone who will forgive you. If you make a mistake, practice on mom, 
practice on, you know, someone that you'll still have a relationship after if you've never said no, if you've never, because some people come to me and they, they're like a mouse. They're, they're afraid of their own shadow. They're hiding under the desk at work. They're afraid to speak up and they have brilliant ideas and they're being overlooked for promotions and they're being over, but they don't know what to do. And I say, in your case, you're going to have to take notes and write it down and go in with your script because you're not going to be able to do it off the cuff. So that's what I encourage them to do is to find people, find a coach that will help them design those scripts, help them come up with some tools. And uh, I mean, I do that with mine, but there's lots of coaches who do that. And so there's no lack of people willing to help a person who wants to make a change. And who is willing to help themselves, you know, because uh, there's no it end to of be people. A decision. It starts with, I am not living, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Okay. So what are you willing? I'm going to show you what to do instead, but you have to be in that place. I mean, I can, people come to me and want me to, what do you want me to do? Go and talk to your boss for you. I'm not going to do that. You know, like they're so afraid of the consequences. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of underlying emotions. You know, I get a lot of people who have uh, different uh, uh, mental health conditions, you know, usually in the mood disorders, like depression and anxiety being the biggest. And so their self-esteem really, really, really sucks. And uh, just, just, Going back, dialing back to the beginning when with, uh, you know, with my family, when I was pregnant, I picked up a book on uh, how to raise a child with self-esteem. And I was like, oh, there was no way my kid was not going to have self-esteem because I didn't have any. Right. And I read the book and I put it down and my friend said, well, what did you think of it? I said, it's a ripoff. He says, I have to develop self-esteem and model it. And so if we're in a leadership position. If we're in any, we have to model it. So we're modeling to our employees. We're modeling to our bosses. We're modeling what boundaries are, what treating me with respect looks and feels like. We have to model. We have to say, oh, I'm sorry, you made a mistake there. It goes like this. We have to say, when you speak to me, please, your tone of voice is very harsh right now. And it, it, it's hard. Could you just be a little kinder? We can say mm-hmm. that. I mean, they might look at us like we have two heads but they'll do it. And that's what's mm-hmm. more important. That's where people say, oh, I didn't like the way he responded. Well, did he do it? Yeah, but he looked at me like I was strange. I said, well, it's strange if you've never done it before. So just, it won't be strange in a month when you keep doing it. It will be the new norm. And do you want the norm to be, I let people treat me badly or I help people become more selfish or I help people... Uh, not learn how to communicate? Like, is that within your integrity to to be someone like that? And people say, no, of course not. Right. Well, you know, because I say the, the conversation, oh, is it within your integrity to ask your kids to do things you're not willing to do yourself? Well, it's not that. I just want better for them than for me. Okay. So you'll yeah. do anything for your children other than model good behavior. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah. 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 That's a uh, really good way to put yeah. And they do, and, and they, they're very uncomfortable eh? because like yeah. they're, it's, it's like the thermostat, right? It's like, that's our comfort zone, right? If we set our thermostat from between this to this, and suddenly we're being asked to go outside of our comfort zone, it just won't, it's just going to go right back to where we set mm-hmm. our thermostat. So our thermostat for what is acceptable to us, we have to decide what that looks like, what that's going to look like moving forward. And we have to, we have to start behaving that that's the truth. And if we behave like that's the truth, 
they'll stop challenging it because they'll go, oh, she's like that. And that's it. And then we get to move on with our lives and be happy. And that's not a bad thing. Well, people talk about time management. And I said, the one time management piece that no one is talking about is not dealing or analyzing with toxic behavior. And if you're not dealing with it, then you're not going over and over it again on the way home from work. And then you're not talking to your girlfriends and talking to your friends and talking to your therapist and talking to your coach. Oh, do you, what do you think about this? What do you think? I mean, you would be amazed at how much you could accomplish and amazed at how much you can do. <laughs> but, and people, you know, people kind of giggle and I say, well, how much time are you spending on those things? Really? An hour a day? Two? Yeah. How much time in your head? How much of your head space? So yeah. you don't think that's affecting it's you being able to all, make more yeah. income? Yeah. And and boundaries, you know, when I talk about boundaries, I, I say one of the biggest challenges for recovering doormats like myself is having boundaries around my schedule. Right. Yeah. And so when they come into my, well, I, I'm, I'm better at it now. I have an online scheduler. They don't have to ask me, just go on there and find something that's already available. <laughs> that works. Yeah. And, uh, but, but my, but that's the thing is they don't know how to say no. And they don't realize mm-hmm. that their time is valuable, including the time in their head. While instead of thinking of, uh, oh, I'm going to bake a cake for so-and-so, or I'm going to do this lovely thing for myself. They're, they're thinking about the conflict that they just left behind them at work. And it's not, it's not, pro- it, it just, it's just not productive time. And we just don't sleep as well. We're stressed. We, you know, we just don't sleep as well. And everything, once you don't sleep as well, your whole body starts to fall apart. So it's the the foundation, right? It's the foundation. And then we, and then we self-soothe with the, the, the hamburger and the, uh, you know, or the glass of wine or we're self-soothing is what we're doing or Mm -hmm. spending. I mean, I, I'm not a shopper, but I mean, I know women that I felt bad. So I went and bought these shoes and it's like, that made you feel better for like a split second, but it didn't solve the problem. The problem is, is you're not talking to your husband. Or a dopamine hit from social media. You know, Absolutely. it's free. Yeah. That, that's the new uh, online shopping sometimes is that like, well, here, let me put a post. And then people say nice things. I'll say, I look pretty today. And then I feel better. Uh, yeah. What a mess. Well, where can people find out more about you and your work in conflict? Uh, well, I, my website is my name, or you can also type in uh, when they drive you crazy.com and it brings people right to my website. And, uh, and that's it. I, I mean, I'm working more in small organizations and stuff, but I do mostly one-on-one coaching right now too. So, so yeah. So anybody who wants to ask me a question, I'm happy to sit and chat with them and see if we're a fit. And it's absolutely, I'm not a salesperson. I will not push you into a sales pitch. <laughs> it's like, but we'll have a conversation, see if I can help. Yeah. I'd be awesome. happy to. Yeah. Well, thank you for helping us today on our journey to becoming oh, so much fun. toxic person proof. And you guys check out her info in the show notes. Have a great day. If you have been listening to the Toxic Person Proof podcast and think, gosh, there's really something different about this. There's something different about what Sarah's saying. Good, because there's so many people talking about narcissism and talking about understanding toxic relationships and too few people talking about building an amazing life after a toxic person encounter finding love, finding joy, finding that new career, finding a great relationship with your kids, finding yourself, finding your confidence. 
So if you love what you hear, then you would probably love the Wondrous Woman program, which is a program that I run to help people reconnect with what's right with them, become toxic person proof, and go on to design lives they're excited about living. So go to my website, sarahkramsey.com. Check out the tab on programs to find out more and then sign up for a call to see if the Toxic Person Proof Program and the Wondrous Woman Program is right for you. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.